0: So it's
1: equally
0: valuable. You know, Halloween. I guess everyone's a to a one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be. To
1: yeah, it is. It's a real serious issue. I got a UTI because of it. What? Or maybe it was like the bad that I got behind Jersey Mike's. Hey <laughs> <Okay>, guys, <laughs> you're a you pig. <laughs> Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast. Coming to you live from the TCQ video store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome in fellow queerdos. I love a good top, but not as much as I
0: love a good bottom. My name is Raymond. <laughs> Hold on, the hard part to believe is that she's the top. Anyway, (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis told me to f*** off and I live to tell the tale. My name is Nick. (laughs) I wonder how many people she's told to f*** off in real life.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the last week in our Halloween hangover month. We've tried scary stories, Mm -hmm. found footage, and even had some lovely guests pick up shifts at our store. And yet, we still need
0: one more movie to say goodbye to our favorite month. Our last flick to cure a hangover is a doozy. To finish out our lovely romance with Halloween, the Carpenter Queens have talked quite a bit about the Halloween franchise this season. We've gone to California for H2O, we've jumped 40 years to discuss new sequels in the Halloween timeline, but listeners, it is finally time to discuss the forgotten child killing sequel. This week's recommended rental is 1982's Halloween Three: Season of the Witch.
1: Queerdos, this ultimate cult classic killing machine is only available for streaming on Fubo. Uh, <laughs> this is the maybe fourth mention of the streaming app on the show, and maybe we should check it out. <laughs> but besides <laughs> that, it's only available for rent or purchase, and quite honestly... I own several
0: copies of this movie. Um, Legit, I have a new one coming in today because I wanted a new Steelbook one since we were reviewing it this week.
1: Yes, I have Steelbook one. Richard put it (laughs) in my
0: spooky basket one one year. It was so good. Fubo. Fubo's up and coming, apparently. Maybe we should take back the remarks we've said. I don't know. Give me a sponsor and then I'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Send me a premium membership and then we'll talk. (laughs) So while we're talking, let's head on over to 420, what's you smoking? What did you smoke with this week's watch? Ugh, this is,
1: before I like dive into my true feelings about this movie, I I love this movie. So I wanted to smoke something fun and exciting to match my feelings for this movie even though it's not really all that fun and exciting it's kind of weird (laughs) but I picked up these uh, cute infused pre-rolls they are from the cannabis company and they are lime infused pre-rolls I don't know that's kind of a weird name for your brand lime I thought you were talking
0: about the scooters
1: they have scooters they're branded lime
0: yeah l-y-m-e and then lime disease (gasps) Jackie don't joke don't joke about that (laughs) Anyways, um I we got Mango Kush
1: and uh these were out of all long. the things we say on this show, Lyme disease is where we draw the line. It's a very triggering subject for me, Jackie.
0: I hate you. Uh I got I got,
1: I got Mango Kush, y'all. It was good, some good shit. I smoked another I smoked another one before we recorded this one. bitch oh
0: wait a minute bitches i picked up this morning she was a busy bitch this morning and i got two new things i smoked the joint of wrecking ball because i came in like Like a a wrecking ball ball. but that was super good it was the sativa if you could not tell by our energy today (laughs) besides the fact that this movie Is wonderful. I also picked up for recording the Eureka pen. It is a full brand, it is a hybrid, and it is called Gelemonade. It's a (gasps) mixture between gelato and this new strain that I've never had called Lemonade. This one was very good. I very Mm. much enjoy this one. It's such a good upper. Let's start talking about this wild, wild trek in this franchise.
1: So this installment in the Halloween franchise is very polarizing and dividing I feel like I feel like there are people who love this sequel and there are people who totally dismiss this don't count it in the Halloween franchise at all which is totally fair I guess it is I on the other hand I love to root for an underdog I'm always that person like I'm Mm -hmm. always gonna root for the underdog and from the moment that I started to really get into the halloween franchise and i really started to like watch the entire um series i remember i'm pretty sure it was michelle because michelle was obsessed with halloween first she was her and renee were like the ones who showed me halloween used to torture me with it and then eventually i got into it and she was the one who continually would show me movies um especially from the halloween franchise because that's one of her favorites and i remember her showing me this one she was just like just so you know like this has nothing to do with michael myers i was like what all right sure i remember the first time i watched it I was just like oh <laughs> okay all right uh, okay oh and God. so like i kind of just dismissed it for a really long time and like like went about my horror journey if you will and then when I came back and revisited Halloween and the entire franchise as a whole, I was like, let me give this another go. And I'd been older by this, but I don't remember how old. I don't know, something in it just kind of like clicked for me. Maybe it was the killing of the children. <laughs> 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 but uh, I don't know, something changed for me. And just the fact that it was like so different from the rest of the franchise, like completely, totally. Vastly.
0: On a different planet, in a different dimension, we lost the keys, locked the doors, what is this what is this it lives in its own
1: kind of universe almost it's weird it's it's weird i will give you that and i think that's why i like it so much it's like twilight zone meets halloween which is great
0: meets 80s camp meets (laughs) like tom atkins (laughs) (laughs) but what about you like what what's your what's your relationship with season of the witch My relationship with *Seasons of the Witch* is—I already know there's problems with this movie. There are there are things in this movie that are not okay in 2021. I don't want to glaze over those. those Oh my god, yeah, I really, really don't. However, if you've been following us for a long time, you are aware that the 80s genre of horror is my ultimate sweet spot. Things like Chopping Mall, anything to do with the slasher series, is my ultimate. This came into my lap, just like we both talk about all the time, the library. Their <laughs> horror section for some reason had this random movie and this was also the start of my upbringing and I just needed to watch it. And when I did watch it, <sighs> sis, honey, boo-boo child, everything about it just made me so happy. This movie is like the <laughs> epitome of 80s ridiculousness. Yeah. It, is, it is my absolute favorite. The designs, the styling, the music. <laughs> I will mm. I will save my feelings for that later. Okay. Looking at you, John Carpenter. Look at <laughs> No one says that, but yes. I love this movie. This movie is so stupidly fun. I agree, which is why we're covering it. <laughs> and I think it's a perfect movie to cap off our love for Halloween.
1: Oh yeah. This is perfect for our Halloween hangover. It's, this is Halloween like camp.
0: 80s aesthetic to the extreme. So let's check out this VHS's special features and find out how this movie was made. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, released October 22nd, 1982, with a runtime of one hour and 38 minutes. And I'm just going to interject. It feels longer than that.
1: Like this- <laughs> <laughs> It does. It does. I thought we were running a little closer to the two hour mark. And I would argue that a solid at least 25 minutes can be shaved off of that.
0: And it's all the sex scenes, but we'll get to them! <laughs> <laughs> this movie is rated R and it is fascinating because we only get, I think, two glimpses of blood in this movie and that's usually... And a tit. And a nice tit. It... Mm-hmm. A weird tit. Now, I'm not saying her tit is we- I'm not saying her tit is weird. I'm just saying that. No, you said it. what you said. You body shaped her. Uh, no, absolutely not. Don't you dare get them to drag me. I'll host my ass.
1: <laughs> I don't understand. Maybe the R came from the killing of children. I don't know. That happened bring to it be... Right, that happened to be my favorite element of the movie, but whatever. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Moving on to taglines. And now the earth will run with blood again. Witchcraft enters the computer age and a different terror begins. The night no one comes home. The Halloween horror continues. I guess if I had to choose a favorite tagline, I think it'd be the night no one comes home. It's kind of a riff on Halloween. Halloween
0: the night he comes home, I fully agree. Mm -hmm. I love that tagline. I actually really like these taglines. I'm not gonna lie. There's two that I really like. I really think it's stupid and I love it, but witchcraft enters the computer age Uh and a different terror begins. It's fantastic because if you have never seen this movie, honey- You've got a big storm coming. Let's move on to our director because I have so many things to say. Our director is Tommy Lee Wallace, a longtime collaborator with John Carpenter, and this is his directorial debut. He would later do *Fright Night* Part Two in 1988, and he's mainly known for doing the Stephen King novel miniseries *It* in 1990, which is what to add to your mm-hmm. filmography there, sis. I
1: I definitely know his name because he works so much with John Carpenter. I mean, if I were him, I'd be super proud to have any of these on my IMDb
0: credits. So I'm not even gonna just. Dis- any of them they yeah. they are wonderful 80s and 90s movies i love the fright night series really really want to put them on the calendar i think i have before but things always switch around when we do our, when we do our movies but he is also credited for writing this one as well and we'll get into the script and why this is a little weird
1: mm-hmm, because mm-hmm.
0: It, it wouldn't be a movie baby if there wasn't drama behind the scenes
1: drama mama moving on to casting we have T.C.Q. alumni Tom Daddy Atkins uh, as Dr. Daniel Chalice. We have seen Zaddy twice now in two past <laughs> T.C.Q. episodes in the infamous, but not so infamous, uh, versus <laughs> My Buddy Valentine episode. And one of my personal favorites, our F.O.G. episode. Not to mention, he's also starred in another John Carpenter film, Escape from New York, in 1981. Tom uh, Atkins ugh.
0: and John Carpenter, man. They just go hand in hand. They go so well together. I'm sorry, everybody. I am just going to be sitting here lusting over Tom Atkins the whole episode. He's such an asshole. But unfortunately, my trauma says I like that. So.
1: <laughs> also starring Stacey Nelkin as Ellie Grimbridge. Dan O'Hurley as Connell Cochran. Michael Curry as Rafferty. Ralph Strait as Buddy Kupfer. Jadine Barbour as Betty Kupfer. Brad Schachter as Little Buddy or Buddy Kupfer Jr. Garn Stevens as Marge Gutman. Al Berry as Harry Grimbridge. Wendy Westberg as Teddy. Essex Smith as Walter Jones. And Nancy Kyes, a.k.a. Nancy Mother and loomis as linda chalice hello tcq alumni nancy loomis aka annie Brackett, aka sandy fidel from the fog and
0: halloween respectively <laughs> pay your respects y'all everybody bow your heads the cross it is miss nancy loomis aka okay, nancy keys we adore adore on this channel show whatever she will always be nancy
1: loomis in my eyes I, that's why i was confused when i looked up her name and it said nancy Keys. i was like nancy Keys, and then like i realized that was her um married name mm-hmm We also have Dick Warlock as the assassin android who
0: played The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers, in Halloween 2. Oh, by the way, everybody, if you've not listened to us cover a Carpenter episode, which you should. There's The Fog, there's The Thing. We also cover Raymond's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost of Mars! Mars. But if you've seen a John Carpenter film, you're going to notice connections everywhere so of course dick warlock is in this of course nancy loomis is in this and then keep going because we get more hunty rounding out our cast we get tommy
1: lee wallace who also provides an uncredited voiceover work as the silver shamrock commercial announcer and who is unknowingly the voice of the commercials themselves and in another uncredited role of the voice of the curfew announcer and also the voice of the telephone service provider of jamie lee mother Curtis, scream queen herself. That's amazing. I didn't know that until until we were doing
0: research for this. This is how she's in every, the, the original three Halloween films, which is just so stinking cute. I love this cast. I really like this cast. Even the character actor. Oh, they're all character actors, which is no <laughs> shade. <laughs> but everybody is here to have a good time. Everybody's here to have a good time.
1: And this just furthers my theory from back... We were covering Carpenter back last season of this Carpenter universe that he literally unknowingly built and kind of started the trend before it was a thing. I'm going to write, I'm going to write my
0: thesis on this and I'm going to present <laughs> it at the God. end of the season. Welcome to my TED Talk. Moving on to reviews. <laughs> we have an IMDB score of a 5 out of 10. We have a Metacritic score of 50 out of 100. Rotten Tomato score... Of a tomato meter of 41% and an audience score of 27%. Jesus Christ. I think these might have been the lowest scores we've seen. This season, yes. Apps apps a- freaking lootly, which is surprising because we just did Halloween town last week. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I would say this one is far better. How do you feel about these scores? I think they're
1: fair. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I don't think that this movie is for everybody. And I don't think that they did a well enough job of explaining what they were going for. I think if people knew what they were going for, they would have realized that this isn't meant to be a sequel to Halloween. Like, they even... We'll get to it, but they would fucking reference Halloween, the original, in the movies. It gets too meta. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess it is meta, but it, I think they did that to show like this is new. this is not the movie. Yeah, this is not the we're this is not a sequel to that because clearly it's in the same universe, but it's not a sequel to that. So I think these scores are fair because whoever saw this movie at the time did not know this information. And it even was, I didn't yes. know this information when I was younger. I just happened to like it because it was killing kids.
0: Ah! <laughs> Our budget is an estimated 2.5 million and a box office of a worldwide gross of 14 million. That's still making your money back and still making some more. But unfortunately this is a super plagued type of production in the terms of what we're gonna talk about and its reception.
1: Mm-hmm when the talks of a third Halloween film began, the original creators John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were extremely reluctant to move the project forward, with the production studios essentially stating that we're moving on with the franchise with or without you. They eventually agreed under the condition that it is not to be a direct follow-up to Halloween 2. Instead, it will focus on creating an anthology series much like the Twilight Zone, creating yearly films with new stories, new directors, and it all centered around the theme and setting up our favorite holiday, Halloween carpenter and hill would tap british science fiction writer nigel neal to write screenplay mostly due to carpenter admiring his Quartermass series his script however was not liked by the film's distributors and ordered more graphic violence and gore they would ask for rewrites this is where neil would become displeased with the alterations although the plot stayed relatively the same he would request for his name to be removed from the project this is when director tommy lee wallace would be assigned to revise the script Tommy drew inspiration from Invasions of the Body Snatchers in 1956 and included multiple nods in the movie throughout his own script. The setting of Santa Mira was the original setting of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
0: The anthology series, which I think is so neat because I, I would say now in the 2020s that anthology series are hot, honey. Oh yeah. This is an anthology series. This is an anthology <laughs> series. Because I get it. It makes everything really easy to tell new and inspiring stories. I would have loved to have seen more iterations of this idea but do you think we would have gotten rid of Mikey entirely if that happened? Because I don't think if this continued, we would have had Mikey anymore.
1: No, we wouldn't have because they said that's why they killed Michael at the end of two. He burned in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that was supposed to be the end of Michael Myers and moving forward, we were just going to have like what I would call like vignettes or other stories like tales of halloween essentially all centering around the holiday but covering different topics like this one covers i guess witchcraft or cults or some sort of i don't know what um (laughs) (laughs) and then like i just think it would have been cool it would have been cool to see different iterations i don't know if I would have agreed with having, like, different directors and writers and all that, because I feel like that would have strayed too far. Um, I feel like you would have had somebody to, like, ring them in. Otherwise, everybody's visions would
0: have strayed too far. And you're, I think you're hitting it right on the money, because we, we discussed in our anthology episode with VHS... When it comes to anthologies, it's always a hit or miss. Not every single story is going to be up to par to the best one. And even then, you might be unlucky if none of the stories are good. But this would have been such a neat concept to see, especially coming out of like 1982. Like this is This is fun. This is fresh. This would have been so much fun. However, I think the literal curse of Michael Myers would end up messing up the possible probably not success of this movie
1: i think if even if they even if season of the witch was somewhat successful michael myers was too big of a hit for them Mm -hmm. to for the studio to disregard because john carpenter and deborah hill were done but the studios saw how much money he was bringing in of course fucking money hungry and they they were like no put michael myers back in the movie which is why we get the return of michael myers with four but Michael Myers, he's just too big of a character to disregard. Like, the, yeah, creatively, they wanted to move forward with other
0: ideas. Studios aren't going to allow for that. Absolutely not. Because we have to mention that Halloween, when it dropped in 1978, became the most successful independent film of all time and held that title until the Blair Witch Project in, like, what, 1999? hmm So, of course, they're going to want to riff off of this and make their money. It's... We'll get to the reactions of this movie later because this is so fascinating to listen to, especially since we have very good like fondness of this movie compared to what can happen. (laughs) Seriously, the invasions of the body snatchers I think is totally evident throughout this whole movie. I I don't know if we've ever talked about it. I love the invasion of the body snatchers just like. Every iteration from the original 1956 to the 1978 with Ah uh, Jeff Goldblum. Moving on to even the Nicole Kidman invasion version with Daniel yes. Craig. I love this idea, and I think it's so f-ed up that they tried to do it and kill kids. It's, <laughs> great. it's so cool.
1: I totally see the influence. I love that Nigel Neal was just like, I don't like what you did to my script. Take take my name out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I totally see the inspiration for, or sorry, from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, these creepy men in gray suits who- The creepy thin men. Creepy thin men in gray, well, not all of them are so thin, but the creepy men- Oh my God.
0: (laughs) You're talking about me body shaming, you (laughs) ass. They're not real. What's going on? you are going to jail for production for the infamous mask special effects artist don post of post studios designed the latex masks in the film don post being known as the godfather of halloween for creating and selling the very first rubber mask for halloween some of which still remain popular today but infamously in the 70s he created masks of actors like tor johnson and william shatner which was infamously altered in the 1978 film, What Else, everybody? Halloween. We are talking the creator of the Michael Myers masks. Wow! That's crazy. I did not know this. Of course, you're going to want to go to the godfather of Halloween for making Halloween masks, which are still so sick. I haven't cussed quite a bit in a long time on our episode, but this, <laughs> this movie gets me so freaking jazzed. How do you feel about the masks?
1: I love the masks. The masks for me are iconic. They are low-key, I wouldn't say what makes the film for me, but I think that they encompass kind of like the classic nostalgia feel for Halloween. Mm Which you have a a jack-o'-lantern and you have a skeleton. Those are like quintessential like Halloween elements, I feel like. And so I think that's why they're... They're still like infamous and like, they're still in production today and they're quite expensive. If you get like the authentic ones from trick or treat studios. But I, I, I love, I love the masks. I, I think they're great. I think they are like a great selling point. Obviously they were great for merchandising and had this movie done better. you would have had so much merch. I mean, we already have like a good amount of merch for season of the witch. Cause I have quite a few a bit of it. I, there are plenty of other fans out there who create merch. So I already know what you're getting. And I can't wait for mine to get here in January. Okay, it's shout-out time, y'all. We have already shouted out our favorite bag maker... Her name is Yvette, also known as Backstitch Bruja Ding! on Instagram. Posted here in LA, but she makes this beautiful bag, the pumpkin bag, the TV bag from Season of the Witch. It was beautiful.
0: I can't wait to get mine. It's coming in January. Let me cut a commercial because I'll talk about this bag until your ear is bleeding, <laughs> sis. It has so many pockets. The room, it turns into a backpack. I can hide my whole Nintendo Switch in here. That alone. Was the selling point for me. Good, I, I can't praise her quality of stuff enough. Neither can but I. these masks and this movie are so iconic because well, the masks and the skull and the witch mask were adaptations of standard post-studio masks. But the Jack O' was created specifically for this film as a nod to the Halloween season, as well as a nod to Michael Myers, and creating only three masks, indicating that this is the third film in the franchise. Oh, isn't that adorable? What's your favorite of the masks? Ooh. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I I have it's... to go for the classic Jack o' lantern pumpkin. I it for me that's just synonymous for not only my favorite holiday
0: but for my favorite horror movie. I have to go the pumpkin. I totally agree. This pumpkin <laughs> is my favorite thing. Not only because is it iconic, and I do love pumpkins. Recently, John Paul gifted me a pumpkin, and I was like, don't buy me flowers ever again. I only want to be gifted pumpkins because it was the (laughs) best day ever. This pumpkin gets the best death in the Mm. whole movie, and I cannot wait to talk about that. Moving on for production, filming took place on location in Loletta, California. For the setting of the Silver Shamrock Novelties Factory, Familiar Foods' milk bottling plant was used as the set, and the same studio would be used that was used in the fog to create this weird TV control center at the end of this movie. This is Stevie's Lighthouse, what, this is the set that's used. Oh, in
1: this- the one that was like obviously a set. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Dope. I did not know that. The setting of this coastal town is
0: stunning. I love it. We're a sucker for it because we talked about it in the fog. And that's the one nice thing we had to say about the covenant besides the boys.
1: Yes. Moving on to post-production. Of course, our man, our saint, the original <laughs> john carpenter would take over the soundtrack with alan howarth it honestly speaks for itself the jingle for silver shamrock is infamously set to the tune of london is Falling down and this was due to them cutting it close to their deadline and deborah hill suggesting using a free domain jingle to avoid copyright laws
0: genius producer by the way that is such a producer move
1: it is and <laughs> the i the score is to be noted like oh. you i this like it's totally reminiscent of '80s and '80s like synth, just like what they thought of like f- like technological sounds.
0: Like it's so good. It, re- it gives me like Star Tours vibes almost. <laughs> I, yes, yes. Thank you so much. We already talked so much about Carpenter on this. I mean, hello, we're the Carpenter Queens. But this track in particular, and it could be a controversial statement. I really enjoyed this soundtrack as a whole probably second to the original halloween soundtrack because the halloween soundtrack is so iconic in its main theme and the shrills and a good good couple of portions Mm -hmm. like laurie's theme but this one overall just does it for me and legitimately it starts from the jump from when we start seeing the pumpkin Mm -hmm. and bitch i was so happy my nipples were lorette Favorite, like, yes. Yes. All I, hate of this. You. <laughs> I agree
1: though. Cause normally like I, I'm not the biggest fan of opening credits unless they're done in an artistic way or mm-hmm. you have a good song. Mm-hmm.
0: And this
1: I enjoy because Ugh. it's simple, it's graphic, it's so 80s in the graphics, it's so 80s in the uh presentation in the presentation, but also the score. Score um is so like Cynthia in 80s. And so I will sit there and listen to it just because it, <sighs> it it gives me, and, and it's probably why we love it so much. It just gives me, like, nostalgia vibes. And I, every time I watch this movie, I watch it through nostalgia glasses.
0: Even though neither of us were. <laughs> <laughs> grew up watching this. This movie was made and produced and presented well before I was born. We'll talk about why I think this has such, like, that nostalgia to it. Because every aspect of it is 80s. So, we must also talk about, quickly, the backlash of this film before progressing forward. This film was declared a dud and dragged through the mud upon its original release. This was in part to its name and legacy. Halloween 3 would not have been released without Michael Myers' imprint on the franchise. But with that in mind, audiences were expecting Michael and were upset when he didn't show up. So instead, they were given this insane, child-killing, bleak trip of Woo! a halloween we love to see it come on child <laughs> killing bleak trip a review by
1: pop matters journalist jc magic the sums up the emotions of the responses he is quoted as saying the film features no serial killers or slashers of any kind still this could have been somewhat interesting or at least not condemnable had the film been any good it's not Almost every time it starts to get to the point where we might actually become engrossed in the film, director Tommy Lee Wallace throws in something corny, like oh, oh like a human decapitation scene that just shows how much the producers invested in latex. Oh. Seriously, oh could the special effects look a little more fake, please? I was just getting to the point where I could almost tell the robots from the real people. Making a real person look faker than Michael Jackson's nose blissfully oh. confuses me all over again. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> that review did not age well. She and she went in, in sis in. you know I, I see his point because had I been alive during that time and I was part of the like Halloween hype if you want to call it that and I went to go see this expecting to see the third installment in the Halloween franchise and I got this I would probably be just as upset because in all honesty, the some of the like the storyline and like where it goes <laughs> and the effects—it's just. It, I'm saying it from the point of view from you expecting another like another Michael Myers movie and getting this. If I'm you just were an saying it's number a number Yeah, it's a total 360 from what you were expecting. And like I said, they gave the audience no warning that like, like, hey, this is like had they called it like promoted it as like the new installment in like the Halloween franchise. And then with an asterisk, uh, Michael Myers
0: dead. He won't be in this movie. Don't be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean by the legacy of Michael Myers, just because this movie would not be made without the first two Halloweens, period, point blank. Everybody knows that. So for them to try and change this up is dramatic first of, but second, it's just, it's what kills it because you immediately associate it with that. And this movie, there's a couple of shots where like this is a Michael Myers shot. This Android is supposed to be Michael Myers. This sound trill is very reminiscent of the first two. So it tries to play with that. It even f-ing references it, but it's difficult for people to separate it because I, this movie would not be made if it was just Season of the Witch. No attachment to Halloween 3. No, no. attachment to Michael Myers. Nobody would have saw this if it didn't have Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It's a, it's a double-edged sword because this wouldn't have been made. And I'm really happy this movie was made. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but a lot of people were not happy it was made. I don't know. It. Uh, this is one of those movies in the franchise that's very polarizing. Mm-hmm. And people like to disregard or embrace it fully like we do. And it's totally fair. I see both sides of the coin. I can understand why people want to disregard this completely and don't enjoy it. I understand why people don't enjoy it. I, on the other hand, fully enjoy it and embrace the campy and I don't know just what they were what they were going for in honesty. And like we've yeah. said it already, we would have loved to have seen like what could have happened, but um, I. I don't think we'll ever see oh that'll never happen honey we'll just get another reboot <laughs> not even we're just gonna get more references to season of the witch because bitch do they love to reference season of the witch everybody does everybody references this one
0: especially and I its mad at it. franchise it's, i'm not mad at it either but i'm just like then like it a little bit more, sis. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> Don't be a bitch. <laughs> we'll talk about all these bitches after this commercial break. Was that a good segue? That was a good segue. <laughs> we'll
1: be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Mari Povich. I have to know: Is my fiance my stepbrother? More. Oh my god! (laughs) Filthy. We open. It's Saturday, October twenty third. A man is running down a lonely highway, being pursued by two white men in a blue car. And quite honestly, that's the true horror. That's the scariest part right there. (laughs) He seeks refuge in a junkyard, and they pull up slowly, looking, and eventually drive away. They quickly return with only one man inside: the driver. The man turns to run and is stopped by the second man. They have a small scuffle and the mystery man manages to get him on his back. Wayo. With no way to fight him off, the man reaches for a chain linked to a block, holding a car in place. He pulls the block away and the car very slowly rolls back, crushing the man to death. Oh my god. <laughs> the man escapes,
0: unable to find the driver. I think I want to keep referencing, like, what would it have felt like to have watched this in 1982? Because when this opens, you're just like, what the flibbity flub is happening? Because we also get the strangest death from one of the creepy thin men. That's all I thought about whenever I saw this guy. It's angel style. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) This movie sets me up to know that this is camp. Don't Don't take anything that continues on in this movie seriously because the death only occurs by him taking a block away from a car and the car slowly rolling down and then crushing him with a very good shrill and a crunch noise. And a crunch noise. The sound effects in this movie are so interesting. Come on, Foley Artist. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm not. This was a weird kill for it to be our first kill was a little strange. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) This was camp, bitch. Whether they intended it for it to be or not, this was a campy ass death because that car rolls so slow and the man just watches it and he cont- which is kind of telling you something that he doesn't care about mm. him being crushed to death. He, he gets crushed to death and then he just goes
0: like... Weep. and then <laughs> do we get the orange ooze at this point or no we don't get the no orange we ooze don't get point. the orange ooze yet. and i have very gross feelings about that orange ooze it's it's, it's, uh, it's there yeah it's an odd choice but i have to state that's what makes this movie this movie this movie is such a weird camp 80s nightmare like legitimate from here we're, this starts also in a great fantastic way. Let's talk about this goddamn opening sequence of the Ooh. virtual pumpkin being made, which is a wonderful nod to the original Halloween and them showcasing the pumpkin, but this one's yes. made with computer bitch bitch. That's a great way to show that this is new. With that beautiful score, I love <sighs> We cut to an hour later at a lonely gas station. Inside, the attendant is watching a special on Stonehenge, intercut with our very first glimpse of the commercial and song that will haunt you and this movie forever. When the power goes out, the worker gets up to investigate. We get a jump scare from the man from earlier and he exclaims, They're coming! They're coming! The man pulls the <laughs> pumpkin mask from his coat pocket and passes out. The gas station attendant loads him into his tow truck and takes him to the local hospital. Really quickly, <laughs> the uh, I, I made a mistake on the
1: special on Stonehenge. It wasn't a special; it was a news report. A piece of Stonehenge was stolen. My
0: badness. A 10, like a 10 ton giant piece of Rock of Stonehenge No big disappear. deal. No, no big, big deal. deal. Also, is he watching British television? Or is it just like a British, like, news anchor? I have, I don't know. I thought too hard about it. I didn't even know she was British. <laughs> um,
1: oh my God, the commercial. This is our first glimpse. This is our first reference. This is our first jingle. This is the first time you hear it. And to keep out the last... I tried oh, I did. keeping it. Oh, did you? I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. It's in the it's in the breakdown. <laughs> so I I just wanted to mention that this is super, mega, hella invasion of the body snatchers. Are you kidding me? Someone freaking out about like an impending doom of uh, coming, uh, coming. We're all coming, sis. We're at a bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking nasty. You come for me, me and my openers. Me, Michelle? You are fucking
1: disgusting.
0: <laughs> the cameras
1: dead ass <laughs> we meet our main character daniel charles by my daddy tom atkins uh, he, were... <laughs> uh, 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 he shows up uh, uh, at his ex oh my god <laughs> <laughs> He shows up at his ex-wife's house after a long day at work and he's greeted by his two kids, Willie and Bella. His ex-wife, Linda, is played by Nancy Loomis and Linda is displeased with her husband's absence and Daniel tries to surprise his kids with Halloween masks but their mom already bought the mask. Silver shamrock brand, dad. The kids retire to the living room to watch their TV in their masks and we hear the song for a second
0: time. Daniel is called back to work where a new patient requires his care. And we also, it, anytime Nancy Loomis is here and able to give me some lines, I'm super happy because apparently he had been drinking and he gets called in and she's like, drinking and doctoring, great combination. Get him, sis. Get your ex-husband. He is an alcoholic for sure. So should we open the can of worms that is Tom Adkins' character, We might Daniel as well address Chalice. it now. We might as well address it now. It's so interesting to see in this movie an anti hero like this. He is quite honestly, I don't know if it's looking back on the 80s and our morals and how we depict and describe characters, but he's an unlikable horn dog of a character. He is a horrible father, he's an alcoholic, he is a womanizer. And I, he's two and sheets pervert. to the wind. And a purevert and two sheets to the wind all the fucking time. <laughs> 24-7. And yet I still kind of root for him. I don't know. You just that's- root for
1: him because you want his dick in your mouth. <laughs> 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 they really write him out to be a very unlikable character. He's a horrible, he's a deadbeat dad, an alcoholic, shows up to work drunk. And then we'll get to it. But then he just like runs off on his job. And essentially his family. And... Uh,
0: uh, it gets messy. It's such it a weird very mixture messy. of things. I, To be honest, I think that's why I really like this movie. Because the majority of 80s movies are like, he's the he's the anti-hero because he was in the military and now he's a rugged outlaw looking at Escape from New York. And then the, <laughs> and this just like, this isn't uncommon. This mixture though is like, He's like a James Bond without having cool stuff, not being able to know how to fight. He's not smart. So it's just like... <laughs> so he's not James Bond then? That's what I mean. He still has like aspects of like, he's going on an adventure. He's a womanizer. But nothing else like categorizes him up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, uh
1: whew, we'll get to it because his character gets even more development and it's not good development. <laughs>
0: Back at the hospital, we see that the new patient is the man from the opening, and he's still gripping onto the lantern mask. The man comes to when he hears the commercial playing on the TV. Third time, market He begins to shake and whisper, "They're going, to, they're going to kill us all." After putting him down for bed, Doctor Chalice and his nurses take a break on this quiet night at the hospital. The mystery man makes his way into the hospital and into the room of the man and kills him via finger in the eye sockets. The mystery man crushes his skull and wipes his hands clean and begins to walk out when suddenly the nurse discovers him and now the dead body and begins to scream waking up Dr. Chalice. He runs out to see the killer making his way out of the hospital and into his car. Suddenly he pours gasoline on himself and sets himself ablaze, blowing himself up and the car.
1: This is our first, like, good
0: (laughs) bit. This is where, like,
1: it's weird because we get, like, parts of the movie are very slow. Mm -hmm. And then we get these, like, big bursts of action. Because, okay, I don't want to jump ahead. The gas station attendant is very weird for... No reason. Like I feel like the way he delivered his lines and Mm. the lines that they wrote for him
0: kind of made him seem like a red herring. And I get what you mean. I don't know if it's the delivery, I don't know if it's the lines, but it kind of feels like this character doesn't belong in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) like he just kind of strolled in. (laughs) It's it's fine. Um, but I can we (sighs) another part of Doctor Chalice that is not good besides the fact that he's a hard worker. He's consistently working. He's consistently at this hospital. The way he treats women in this movie is ridiculous because he hits on his nurse Agnes mm-hmm. and he tells her, "I think I should have married you, Agnes," and then smacks her on the ass. They both laugh, but it's just like, F- dude, the i the eighties were wild. The eighties were wild. This movie teeters on such a weird misogynistic vibe for Atkins as a character. Yes, he's for a total, sure. He's he feels like he's supposed to be like the idea of an 80s like macho all-american rugged drinks beer womanizes which we would just call toxic masculinity today (laughs) yes (laughs) call it out sis so it's weird to look back on like this is what the 80s are made up of but now looking at it to me it's like a total caricature and I feel like that's why I still like Tom Atkins' character because it feels like Tom Atkins is aware that his character is a piece of shit. And it's kind of funny to hear him deliver lines later on. Like later on when they sleep together, it's just like, what?
1: <laughs> I also kind of feel like it's just Tom Atkins playing Tom Atkins.
0: Mm. I ain't mad at it. Hey.
1: I know. We all know you ain't mad at it. Mustache wide, honey. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> I'm down. I'm next. I have to talk about this death scene because this death scene is brutal. It's, it's oh yeah brutal without being graphic, because mystery man the uh quote-unquote assassin if you will goes in Assassin. first of all makes his way into the hospital all too easily nobody stopped him it was was nobody at the door (laughs) so whatever makes his way in and then when he goes in for the kill he immediately covers homeboy's mouth with leather gloves leather gloves yeah we can't touch no no touching no kissing on the lips (laughs) immediately covers his mouth and then goes in on the like what is this the bridge of your nose i guess And just snaps Snaps it because there is a crunch the foley foley in this movie needs to be noted because they went in on the sounds and i want to
0: know who the foley artist is i want to see the receipts (laughs) i have to fully agree with this death because it's still campy because it's not over gratuitous like amounts of gore but what is shown is fucking disgusting No, ma'am. The Snap. The Snap. The Snap heard around the world. Everybody thought Marvel's Snap was the one, but bitch, this is the one. It's You talking about the Snap, crackle, Pop? I'm gonna keep referencing the music because I truly believe the music elevates the source material. Because if we had different types of music, this could have been way campier in tone. It could have tried to be like this weird serious drama type of music style that kind of matches a lot of 80s. Because John Carpenter does some excellent like beautiful single synth that he does magnificently. And it just builds and builds and builds because when the assassin mer- like blows himself up, the first time I saw it, I was taken aback. I think that death is f- wicked.
1: Yeah, it's also unrealistic. And I get it, it's a 1982. This is, I was about, hold on, but this is also
0: where you're like, no, I draw the line here.
1: No, I'm not drawing the line here, but I'm just like, he went like doused himself in gasoline. And like the minute he lit the match, it was like instantaneous combustion. Like everything, like, I get it. I get it. it. I'm not trying, we're not going for realism here. I understand. Um, but I, I,
0: I think there's better deaths in the movie. I really dig it because I like when they go all like, assassin like kill yourself type of death because a lot of them do it and it's really cool. I think it's just me. It gives me like Blade Runner vibes, which is also evident of the time Your period. favorite. I love, I love Blade Runner. But I adore this movie because it is just bonkers. Like, that death was bonkers. The nurse's reaction is wild. Him blowing himself up is beyond insane. It's so 80s. And I think that it kind of relishes in that story. Like, you have to give a disbelief to really enjoy this movie. Because this movie is not meant to be taken seriously. No.
1: (laughs) Also, the nurse going all catatonic and being like... Like She literally didn't say anything. Miss ma'am, you are a nurse. You have seen way worse than a broken bridge
0: on a nose. You've seen someone shove a Coke bottle up their ass and this is what you're crying at? <laughs> oh, it was you. You were the patient. Is that true? It's very true. We catch to the doc
1: calling his ex-wife saying he won't be able to pick up the kids. She chews them out so loudly everyone can hear. He makes empty promises and hangs up the phone. He picks up the silver shamrock mask and contemplates. Later, we meet Ellie Grimbridge, daughter of the man who got a skull crush. She's come to identify the body. After identifying him, the sheriff send her wa- sends her away until further questioning. How do you feel about Ellie as our main actress? Given the content given? of this movie, yeah, I think she did as much as she could with the character as she could. You know... <laughs> Oh my God. These people aren't going to get Oscars for their interpretations of these roles. Okay? Let's just be frank. What's there to interpret, honey? (laughs) Because when she comes in, she goes, Is that my father? And lady, I don't think you want to see him like this. I need to see if it's my father. Like, I don't know. It was a choice. (laughs) I'm not expecting much. You sound like somebody from the
0: silent era. No, sir. I need to see my father. That's what she was giving. She was giving, but she was also giving curls, honey. And that railed nail polish was everything. Everybody in this movie just wants to bone. Honestly, everybody in this movie just wants to bone. Because Elia said, and then the minute she sees Dr. Chalice, she's like, maybe I'm not that sad anymore. (laughs) It's just... I would have felt the same way. But I do want to talk about the ex-wife calling Dr. Chalice because this is also still further pushing that he's not a good character because Mm -hmm. her reaction just indicates that this isn't his first time doing this. She doesn't believe anything that he's saying because later on he continues this habit and it's honestly awful. It It only gets worse. It is now Wednesday the 27th. We are at the coroner's office where Chalice is trying to smooth talk the assistant, Teddy, to get some information on the body of the hitman. She says she'll see what she can do. As she escorts him out, she gives him a kiss and asks, are you going to be all right? To which we get no response. Oh so they f***ed each other, obviously. D- d- huh? I want to know who he hasn't f***ed in this movie. And I mean that because this is the 80s. And I can probably guess that he messed around with some of these f- other fellow officers and doctors. Oh, I, I mean, everybody who works in a hospital is f-ing. Everybody f-s. I watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is a scene. I, don't I think
0: see, that's how I feel about her stuff too, because I feel like she doesn't go anywhere. She gets here, she doesn't honestly figure anything out, and they still like. Spoiler alert! They still like sniper her ass out of there. <laughs> <Like>
1: she, <laughs> she gives no answers. She uncovered nothing, and they still killed her. They're <laughs> like, you, you found out nothing. We're still gonna kill you, bitch. It is now Friday, the 29th. Doctor Chalice is at a bar drowning his sorrows. He requests the bartender change the channel on the TV, and when he does. We get a nice ad for Halloween, followed by the dreaded commercial. Fourth time for hearing the song for those who were keeping count. Ding. Even Chalice is sick of it all at this point and just sounding annoyed. Just then, Ellie walks in. She said the nurses said she would be able to find him there. She asks if her father said anything to him before he died, to which he lies and says, Tell Ellie that I love her. She quickly calls him out on his bullshit and tries to leave when he tells her the truth that his dying words were, They're going to kill us all, gripping the mask for dear life.
0: But I have to mention, this is when we get our first snippet of Halloween on the TV screen, right? I love it! I really dig it. It's so meta. I like that it references itself and the franchise that it's a part of. I'll leave it at that. I feel like some people don't like it because it doesn't have Mikey in it. I mean, like I
1: said, this movie isn't for everybody and I understand why people don't like it. If you love it,
0: I feel like you love this little nugget and this n- reference. I hope you do because I think it's adorable because we get it more and I love the way it's played later on. Like it's, it's I think it's so cute. I just have to mention, Ellie tells him, I had, I just talked to the nurses and they said you'd be here.
1: Like, <laughs> girl. He's an alcoholic,
0: a functioning alcoholic. But it's and- the 80s, Bill. Everybody does it because Ellie does not see this as a red flag. There are so many red flags. There are so many red flags and Ellie's still on board. She's like driving the obstacle course, but she's dodging
1: every single
0: one of them red flags, trying to get to that daddy dick. So honestly, because this movie, in a weird way, really showcases their romance. For some reason, <laughs> it is—it is my least favorite part about this movie—is their romantic. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it,
1: we'll get to it when later, when we get to this one part. I know what you're talking about. I already know what you're talking
0: about. <laughs> but, but yes there's this uh okay we'll get you we'll get you let's move on we are now at ellie's dadge shop where he lets kids come and play inside of the store. Ellie goes over his daily records where she confirms his whereabouts until his visit to Santa Mira to pick up some Halloween masks. They decide to take a trip out to the factory to ask some questions. We then cut to Dr. Chalice lying yet again to his ex-wife about his whereabouts and why he can't see the kids. He hangs up on her and takes a six-pack and makes his way to the Silver Shamrock headquarters with Ellie. After he hangs up at the phone, we pan over to some TVs in the window that are, of course, playing the commercial for... Count it. The fifth time. Thank you for putting this in here because it was in my notes. This is where I feel like his motives are weird because he doesn't feel bothered by the events of it blowing up. It feels like he just wants to know why someone blew up and now that Ellie's here, it's like all of a sudden, I feel like the movie wants me to believe that he wants to get to the bottom of everything, Uh but i pick up that he just wants to bone ellie oh yeah so he's just like uh, gonna party let's get the six pack let's get the chick and he, go he is on some typical white
1: man bullshit he sees a vulnerable woman and he saw his chance to swoop in and play the hero and really just get his sweat because that's what this movie is all about that's don't about Tom that Atkins getting his phrase. sweat. Why, getting your sweat? You don't like getting your sweat? <laughs> oh Tom Atkins trying to get his sweat this oh whole my movie.
0: Oh, he's got
1: eight. A ridiculous amount of listeners. I, so this is really a turning point for, like, I agree. This is a turning point for his character where it's, total garbage like it makes any like sympathy we had for you is out the window because you're running off with this mystery woman that you just met you're abandoning your kids you're abandoning your job this has nothing to do with you this isn't i a, a doctor in real life had this exact thing happen to him where some mystery man was killed one of his patients was killed by some guy who blew himself up there was no way in hell a doctor would abandon his position and his family well, maybe. But in real life, nobody this would really told what
0: it So this is what I mean with Tom Atkins, because I still sort of want to root for Tom Atkins, not in the sense of like, yeah, defeat the bad guy, figure the thing out. I just genuinely want to keep with this character to figure out what the f- is happening. Because he's not very likable. Even when he's on the phone, his ex-wife, his ex-wife states, your kids don't even know who you are anymore. And he's still so uh-huh. like, uh-huh, uh, I see he's Ellie. He's over, over there. there. <laughs> yes! He's <That's>
1: too busy <laughs> looking at Ellie in the car, and he's over there like cracking open a cold one. Uh-huh. Gotta go.
0: I'll be in Santa Mira for the weekend. <sighs> it's a conference. It's a conference, hun. It's bonkers. We're, I'm gonna mention it, because we still haven't even gotten to the piece de resistance mm. of this relationship
1: mm-hmm we have finally made it to amish country i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> an irish community founded by connell cochran say that five times fast as they make their way into the town they are clearly outsiders and are being watched from the windows by all the townspeople ellie says she feels like a goldfish while the doc explains it's a company town <laughs> we get shots of surveillance cameras to show that big brother is always watching They decide to check into the local motel to talk in privacy and make a cover for themselves posing as a couple. As Ellie keeps the motel owner busy, Chalice makes his way into the front office to see if her father stayed there. After getting the info he needs, he makes his way back to the room, but not until after almost getting run over by their new neighbors and (laughs) an obnoxious family from San Diego who are also merchants of said Halloween mass. He also runs into another store owner who has to stay at the motel due to the factory getting her order wrong.
0: Okay. Before we get to this new cast of characters that immediately get introduced, the, the, I love the setting of this town because it is creepy. It is so like the eyes that the the town that dreaded sundown. It's so fun. I, I want to mention his motivation again because he gives a line that I'm like, "This, you're the, you're a liar, sis," and she just gives into it. Because he tells her, yeah, maybe we should get a motel and probably uh, pretend to be a couple and, like, stay the night. And who knows? Maybe we should each other just for, like, to keep it really (laughs) real, stay in character, you know? That's exactly what this feels like. And then it turns into Psycho to me. It totally turns into them trying to find Janet Lee's body in the second part of Psycho. Them snooping around with Norman. And then... It turns into a national lampoon comedy when the the oh family shows
1: up with the obnoxious child, who spoiler alert, thank God gets killed later on. <laughs> I, I agree. This uh, we can see its influences clearly. A, I don't know. It's there. It happened. Tom Atkins is an asshole. How do you feel about the introduction of Marge, who almost runs him over and still gets pissed off? She is a business woman. Her order was supposed to have been ready on the 21st, and it was not. And she had to drive her happy ass all the way up to Santa Mira, to this f***ing Amish country, and to figure out what's going on, and now she's got to stay overnight in this stupid motel. She is pissed, honey. She's got things to
0: do this is the woman that we admire, aspire to be i love marge and i also secretly really do love the family of the Cupfers because no. they are i think they're they're ridiculous this is such an 80s move like i'm honestly waiting for like a Wee herman's like horn whenever they come out like it's such an odd it's such an interesting odd choice i hate that kid too But he gives me my favorite freaking moment when the mom, who, by the way, turns looks this whole movie, yells at him, (laughs) don't you go into the street? Don't you hear me? And then he flips her off. (laughs) Bitch, uh, white people. You can only get (laughs) that shit away with that shit in a white family. Okay, yeah, no, because because this movie changes very, very quickly. Back in the room, the fake couple discuss the sleeping arrangements and then go full Skinamax, baby. It's six o'clock and we get an announcement for the residents of Santa Mira stating that it's curfew time and everyone must retire inside. We get some wide shots of the surveillance cameras watching for disobeying citizens. On Dr. Chalice's walk back from the liquor store, he gets some info on Cochrane from a local transient stating Cochrane made the town what it is today along with some other vague details. After the transient makes his way back to his home, he is killed by some suited men waiting for him. They bring him back to his knees and rip his head off. Can we talk about the Cinemax? We got to talk about the Cinemax. Uh, Ridiculous nonsense. That's so not needed. This whole relationship scene is ridiculous. This, but because of the sex scenes and the relationship, we get the wildest dialogue. Because before they even start about talking about, like, being a couple, she's like, what should we do? He's like, you know what? It's getting late. I could use a drink. Let's take our time. And she's so, just yeah. like, f- yeah, but f- your dad, apparently, right? Your okay. dad. <laughs> <laughs> because she asked him, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice?
1: That's a dumb question, Miss Grimbridge.
0: And then he called and then they make out and then they make out. Her foreplay is being called, you're a f***ing idiot. And she's like, "Ah." Oh, I mean, isn't uh, that your foreplay? God, f- I like to call the little <laughs> sluts of land. I can't with
1: this whole scene. I can't. I can't. I can't with the fact that he's like twice her age. I can't with the CD motel room. I can't with the dialogue. I, oh, Just no.
0: Because it It's trying to give you something for the surprise ending, but this isn't the way to do it, honey. Because it's ridiculous and we immediately cut to Dr. Chalice going to, I don't know, Shamrock Starbucks to go get some alcohol or some (laughs) shit. Starbucks! (laughs) That interaction is also weird.
1: Weird. It's only needed to give you some exposition. It's just so weird that we get it from this transient who is bumming a swig off of him and the way he bums a swig off of him. I don't have
0: any diseases. (laughs) Can I get a swig?
1: (laughs) It sounds like the way you go cruising. I don't have any diseases. Can I get a taste, mister? Oh my God. Time and place. Uh,
0: I'm lactose (laughs) intolerant wearing the cigarettes it's so weird it's the weirdest way and they way. over like drinking it's such an odd choice to reveal information because he uh-huh. reveals a lot of important information exactly the fact that Cochran is surveilling the whole town that all the townspeople were outsiders that were brought mm-hmm. in and only hired at the factory and this transient is unfortunately down on his luck because he didn't get hired from Cochran and my favorite line is he's watching you friend I guarantee you that Hey, Cochran, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) He's already lit off of the, like, two swigs he got from the bottle. And then my other favorite is that he open he's aware that Cochran is listening and he openly states, I'm going to set this fucking factory on fire. It's the last Halloween for them. Last Halloween as he walks away.
1: To his death.
0: To his death where I thought, I've watched too much porn because they put him on his knees and I was like, oh I've my seen God. This movie. Yeah, that's fucked up. It doesn't end well. Well, it ends very well for everybody, but it didn't. Not go this there. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but this is where we get Dick Castle and he's the one that snaps his little neck. Dick we Warlock. All... Dick, this is where we also get. <laughs> <laughs> you, you keep it in. Keep it in. I heard Dick and I was like, I know that. <laughs> This is where we get Dick Warlock and he's the one that snaps his head right off. And this is, this is where the Foley gets weird for me because it sounds like a cartoon <laughs> instead of being like the really cool snap that we got from the nose earlier. But I do love the little squirt squirt of the blood that we get. Yeah, I bet you do love that squirt squirt. I hate you. This is a raunchy <laughs> episode, everybody. I apologize. I <laughs> apologize. It was a weird scene, and but it led to a pretty cool death. I really like the death. Like, I like when the robots go full Terminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on Ellie's walk back to the room from the vending machine, she
1: runs into the other merchant staying at the motel. She gives away way too much exposition on why she's there, the company, and the merchandise. But we needed the details. We see that the logos on the mask can be popped off. Back in the room, Ellie and Dr. Chalice get it in because we're not trying to find out who killed your father or anything. And we get (laughs) our sixth commercial. (laughs) We get our sixth commercial via the bedside radio after the two have finished making whoopee. Oh my God. Ellie is ready for round two and it just dawns on Daniel to ask
0: her how old she is. Now a warning. Oh my God. I Do you want to just jump straight into that? Because... We, yes we had an expedition done from marge she's hilarious i love her she kept complaining that the the mats were cheap honey this is cheap this is beneath me and then she gets the little thing that's important of the shamrock symbol and while they're boinking each other she's investigating the chip and we'll talk about the weirdest placement of both because i have to talk about this odd sex scene because they do have sex again because why not And while in the middle of it, my favorite is that line of him asking her, aren't you just the least bit tired? No, not at all. Wait, 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 wait. How old are you?
1: Excuse me? Your libido is far too strong for me.
0: (laughs) She's like, I'm older than I look.
1: Ma'am. No. I, no, this is... This reeks of inappropriateness. Absolutely. I- Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to this man, but not really.
0: <laughs> it's, it's weird. And there's a lot of it. And that sex scene goes on for a long time. And then, because while all of this is happening, back in the merchant's room, she's getting ready for bed when she sees the fallen silver shamrock logo on the floor. Marge picks it up and begins picking at it with a bobby pen. After a few tries, she gets a result a laser beam comes shooting out of the medallion, taking a good chunk of her face off. As they lay there, moments from death, bugs begin to crawl out of her mouth. Later on, commotion wakes the lovebirds and they get up to find a team of men taking the body out of the room, saying they're taking her to the factory where she will get the very best care. This death is weird.
1: It's weird and it's gruesome. Like, I literally winced when they do the, like, slow panover shot so you can get the details because it's great. It's great it's effect. Amazing work. special effects. When they do the slow panover and it, to me, it was reminiscent of... What's her name in Hereditary? Charlie? Charlie's head in Hereditary.
0: <laughs> when she gets her knock blocked off.
1: Yeah, um, because the mouth does like, hold back like this, and you just get, like, exposed Ugh. face. It's and then the horrendous. Bugs. The bug use. You, the I mean, bugs. You've already talked
0: about your arachnophobia, so I
1: imagine? I hate any sort of insect. So the,
0: it already gave me the willies. This death is super gruesome. I really feel like this movie's deaths just really escalate and progress the, like, the immortal impending doom of this, like, ticking clock that we keep getting reminded of thanks to eight more days days to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Halloween. It's, 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 you're going to get it stuck in your heads, everybody. But I agree, this death is gruesome. At first, it's hilarious because it's clearly, oh, and then the laser beam is in post. (laughs) It's so 80s, it's delicious. The special effects, I can't applaud enough because they keep, getting better and then they dip very dramatically (laughs) very very dramatically but i also yes we do get the best care we also see cochran he's just a crazy old white guy what else is new from a horror movie so i got those today more importantly we get tom atkins ass Yes! (laughs) yes we get some man ass in this movie do we i don't remember seeing that When he gets out of bed, he gets up and he's got his asshole out. We also do get (gasps) titties from Miss Ellie Mm -hmm. when she gets out of the shower for no reason. Wow, that was so powerful! Academy Award. Saturday the 30th, Daniel calls his booty call down at the coroner's office to get an update on the autopsy. She thinks someone's been tampering with evidence since all she's finding is metal and car parts. He asks her to get any information on, on Connell Cochran. The fake couple make their way to the factory where they confirm that Ellie's dad was there and he picked up the order himself. They manage to hitch a ride on someone else's tour of the factory and get a look behind the curtain. At the end of the tour, Buddy Jr. cries for a mask, so Mr. Cochran grants him one, and that's been through said final processing. Daniel begins to recognize some of the suited men and tells Ellie they need to leave. As they make their way out, Ellie sees her Papa's car in a warehouse. When she runs to inspect, a bunch of suited men come out from the shadows to stop her. (laughs) mystery suited men. But we get more of the cup freeze. I know you don't like the cup freeze, but Mrs. Comfrey is turning looks again in like a Margaret white, like full dress done up, and I love it. She's always fixing her hair. She's the woman of a businessman. She knows I don't believe for one second that they're from San Diego. That bitch is from Jersey. I want to talk about the factory because the scenes from the factory are legitimately from Post Studios and this is them actually making masks for real production and they oh, really? just filmed inside of it. I think it's so stinking rad. So if you that's got smart. A Post Studio masks during this time period, you probably got a mask that was made during the film and that's so oh, cool. That is dope. That's super rad. I, I do, I do setting. love the, yeah,
1: I do too. I love the the setting of them getting a tour of the factory. I immediately got like Willy Wonka vibes because anytime you get a, a tour of any kind of factory, that's just immediately where my mind goes. And we I don't was, know expecting... which way
0: we're going. <laughs> I was
1: expecting Oompa Loompas to come out with Masson. on. With the way this movie was going, it might have happened. I
0: have to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we even get our Veruca Salt character with this little shithead of Buddy Jr. And he gets his mask, honey, but it's deserved. It's deserved. The only thing I don't like is that Ellie starts becoming stupider and stupider because in the beginning, she's portrayed as like someone who's smart. She started the investigating before the doctor came through. And now all of a sudden she's Mm -hmm. an idiot, especially when she sees her dad's car, even though she was playing it cool this whole time. I don't like it. I don't believe that this kid didn't have a mask. That kid is spoiled
1: and his father sells them. I don't believe for a second that he didn't already have all three of those masks sitting at home.
0: I'm sure he did, but he wanted that one. He wanted- Fresh off the presses. Do you think these masks have that vanilla smell that the Scream mask used to have during the 90s? No,
1: I think these ones smell like Tom Atkins' ass. Ah, I'll buy five. (laughs) Back at the motel, the two decide to leave the town while they still can. Daniel goes into the motel office to call the police. It proves fruitless and he has to listen to the commercial for a sixth time. (laughs) He runs back to the room to find Ellie missing and five suited men waiting for him. He makes a getaway through the bathroom window and runs back to the factory. After making his way back to the factory, Daniel sees a car pull in with Ellie and two suited men. He somehow breaks into the factory and makes his way into a room where he discovers a robot knitting woman. He is found by a suited goon, and they have a fight where Daniel punches him so hard, he punctures the man's stomach and pulls out some wires covered in orange goo. The same goo begins to ooze out of his mouth, too, and he is approached by more goons as well
0: as Connell. This all happens very fast. This happens very quickly, and then we immediately start progressing into the wildest story, Progression. So (sighs) do you want to talk about the goop? We want to talk about the goop. How do you feel about the design of the goop of these robots? Because first of he punches them countless times and nothing affect to the terminators. And he's like, oh, shit. And then he punches them in the stomach and then he starts bleeding goop. It feels very alien. Is it just me? It's just you. But this is strange. It's such a strange, especially coming out of their mouths.
1: Yeah, it was weird. It's a choice. I think they just wanted to really convey that these are not human. That these are like humanoids or robots or whatever. It was a choice, but just like many other choices were made in this movie, I don't think it's
0: the worst thing to happen. It's it's good. I, do, I mainly like getting to this part because the next segment for me, quite honestly, is some of my favorite stuff. Because I actually really like Connell. I think he's a hilarious villain. Connell Cochran connell cochran it sounds by the way like a clue character (laughs) colonel connell cochran (laughs) it is now a halloween morning the goons and connell take daniel to the once forbidden final processing center they are now deep down below the factory where cochran explains they stole a piece of stonehenge which was thought to be part of a ritual sacrifice they are embedding a piece of the stone in each mask as part of the final processing Meanwhile, the Cupfree family from the motel are upstairs participating in a test screening. The screening is taking place for Cochrane and Chalice, and Daniel watches in horror as the commercial plays on the TV for the family. Little Buddy excitedly puts on his mask, and when he does, the TV begins to flash the signature pumpkin over and over with the blaring music. The child falls over, and insects begin to trickle out from the mask. The parents scream in horror as even more insects and snakes cover their child's body. They are now taken over by the commercial and succumb to its powers. Connell looks impressed with himself, and Daniel is escorted out of the room. (sighs) Easily the best death. Easily.
1: Yes, and this is when we finally get to see what all this is leading up to. We finally get to, like, where this is going, what the masks in this commercial had to do with everything. and Because this whole time, I'm saying, like, don't forget about the giveaway. Don't forget about the giveaway on Halloween night at 9 p.m. Make sure you're in front of your TVs. Make sure you're waiting, wearing your
0: mask while you're watching Bring your TV. death
1: certificates. Like, they are pushing this hard. And so we finally get to see what happens. And it's fan. Fantastic! It does not disappoint because they built a very special mask for this scene in particular. That was very easy. That was already like deteriorating as soon as he put it on. Essentially, it was made out of wax, I believe, and so it was very easy for him to tear away. And they actually let um, the child do this himself. And so they only got the one take. It's the '80s. We don't care about child labor laws. (laughs) Um, So we get this great death with essentially the mask like, turns their brain into insects? or I don't
0: really understand what happens. I don't get it either. And to be honest, I don't really want to know. Because it's supposed to be this magical, mystical Stonehenge. And I honestly want to say, up until this point, this movie gives sci-fi vibes. It is hardcore, robot, sci-fi, futuristic vibes. And then it turns into magic? And then the old and new, like, ancient magic with science starts connecting together, and we get this because the TV comes into play the magic comes into play and the destruction of this child's face uh, that is horror magic honey yeah. I love this death I love that they have the balls to kill children that they wanted to kill all of the children and that they killed the child in a very gruesome way because the majority of the time in movies especially horror movies if we do kill a child it's cut away it's an off screen it's an off screen or we get some very interesting creative ways to kill a child this one they said no honey we want you to we're gonna kill all the kids and we are here a for hard and it movie. and it's great there's no blood and yet the use of bugs and the snake coming out of his mouth is gruesome mm-hmm. the only thing i don't care for is like how did the parents die the snakes bit them the snakes start biting them yeah um hmm Okay. I know. I know. But it's also a really neat ploy because it also heightens that if you, even if you don't have a mask and you're in the vicinity, you're also going to get affected as well. It's, That's true. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's like invasion of the body snatchers meets them kids.
1: <laughs> we get scenes of kids all across the US wearing the silver shamrock masks. They are all out trick or treating, and in it's intercut with the commercial and silver shamrock vans driving around neighborhoods reminding kids about the quote giveaway at nine. Back at the coroner's office, the assistant Teddy has found something that she doesn't think is a car part. She calls her colleague to fill him in on her findings when a suited man walks in. After she hangs up the phone, the suited man takes her down and takes her out via power drill to the head. Woo! Back at the factory, Cochrane is getting ready Cochran. to- challenge I barely know him. <laughs> getting ready to leave Chalice in a room to die with the mask and the TV on when they have a talk about Motives. Cochran explains that the company was started by making gag gifts and trick toys and this is going to be the biggest trick yet on the kids. I love that line. (laughs) He goes on to explain the real meaning behind Halloween and how it's actually based on Samhain a Celtic holiday and the last good one was 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of children and animals. (gasps) Cochran finally Chalice to die
0: alone in a room watching Halloween 1978. The true horror. I've talked about it. I'll say it again. I've said it every single episode. They get a fantastic actor and they just get them to monologue. I'm a theater kid, honey. I love a monologue. And this monologue starts with the line. I do love a good joke. And this is the best ever. A joke on the children. (laughs) For the kids. For the kids. For the kids. For the kids. I think it's the neatest. I really like that they leaned in fully to the Halloween. I'm going to say it, and it's going to be controversial. This Halloween iteration is more about Halloween than the actual first two Halloween <laughs> nights. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Halloween
1: 1978 just happens to take place on Halloween night. That's
0: mm-hmm. it. This That's one, it, like you said, is about Halloween and about killing the fucking kids. I love it it raises your stakes and it makes your villain kind of seem ultra villain. People do not like child killers. I mean, no one should. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but this in a horror movie in this context raises your stakes, makes him such a bad guy, but he's still hilarious cuz he's just a fucking warlock. How did warlocks follow us from Halloween Town into this movie? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, monologue. Remember how I talked about this feels like a James Bond movie Mm -hmm. without all the James Bond aspects. This is part of that reason. We got an evil British, well, Irish, an evil Irish villain who monologues and then puts him in a death trap and then leaves and he still somehow escapes. That's true. That is very James Bond. I do like this
1: uh, storyline of them stealing a piece of Stonehenge because they think or it was linked to like a a satanic or spiritual ritual back in the day. And, and uh and they really i love this them sticking to the roots of where they originally based halloween 1978 about saw wind and the celtic holiday and all that Delicious, cool stuff. good stuff yeah i think that's really fun but then it's just
0: like left there it is but that's what i mean <laughs> by like this movie then starts diving and really starting to try and meld like sci-fi tv and uh, this also by the way we didn't talk about the lair do you like the lair because i just adore the, the lair it reminds me of like no shade and austin powers dr evil <gasps> oh layer. my god that's exactly what i was gonna say I'm like i'm getting like dr evil lair vibes it's so good this feels like a spoof of james bond in such a weird halloween way and i really don't expect that because tom atkins because chalice manages to kick out the tv and use some of the shard of the glass from said tv to free himself Then he magically takes off his mask and throws it on a surveillance camera to magically cover it up. And we get a pretty awesome Michael Myers POV shot from the mask. But after busting out, Daniel manages to make it to a phone where he immediately calls his ex-wife to try to tell her to get rid of the masks. She chops it up to him being drunk and hangs up. From there, he rescues Ellie, and the two make their way to the main showroom. They come up with a plan. They use the power of the logo sensors against them by setting off the commercial and dousing the entire crew with the Shamrock logos, killing them all by shocking to them, them to death. Possibly shocking them to death. <laughs> There's also lasers, too, whatever. An orange ooze comes out of all of their mouths. The stolen pieces of Stonehenge begin to glow, and so do the bodies and the ring that they formed. Cochran gives Chalice one last smile as he is turned to stone. (sighs) Okay. Do you want to talk about the escape?
1: Come on, James Bond and that impossible escape. What the? Escape from Alcatraz style shit. I can somewhat believe him kicking out the TV, and I guess I can buy him picking up a piece of that glass to cut the rope to set him free. I do not buy at all him throwing that mask so perfectly that it landed on the surveillance camera so perfectly that we got like a view through the eye holes. That that was ridiculous. He's
0: reaching and they went for it. It, I I told you, this feels like a weird James Bond movie. Like, ha, one throw, try angels, angel style. So it's just like, ah, I don't mind. I do like that they do have him call his ex-wife of some sort of redeemable quality. Do love that she shuts it down. We don't get the ridiculous oh, oh, I believe you. Uh I finally believe you. No, he's a piece of shit. He's gonna stay a piece of shit. And he's drunk. Two sheets to the wind. He's been drunk this whole movie. But I want to talk about this first part of the finale scene. I don't get it. it. So they have a bunch of the little
1: medallion logo thingies and they take them up to the raptors above where the rest of the crew is sitting, I guess. And, and they he somehow... also somehow knew how to turn on the exactly, ad? he somehow magically knew the switch to throw to turn on the ad. And when the ad took me, everybody's like, Why Why is the commercial playing it too early? Da, 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 da. and that's when they throw these quote medallion logo things that are already have already been through the final processing. And essentially kill the crew by zapping them with lasers.
0: And my favorite But there's is no that, bugs. There's no bugs. And then my favorite is that Conrad is just like, huh, you got me, gal. And then <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> he turns. He just, just accepted
1: don't. he knows when he's been foiled and he took he bowed out gracefully like a true
0: Irishman. Thank you. It's <laughs> an odd choice. I wanted a more dramatic death from Cochrane. We do get a good we get we get him like spray painted with white spray paint essentially, and that's him turned to stone. When that weird ring also comes, like nothing, nothing is explained. I think the ring was a,
1: a like a nod to like. Isn't Stonehenge in a oh, circular yeah. motion? I think that's that, what that also was. explains
0: the TVs because the TVs are done in a circular motion and they look like the Stonehenge from Stonehenge. I don't know how to properly say that. I'm not that smart. <laughs> so this is interesting. I don't... It feels like we're just trying to wrap up to get to the second finale part. Because I prefer this full finale that's coming up to this. This. This is a mess. This? This mama is mess.
1: The two manage to get away, but not stop the commercial from airing. As Daniel asks Ellie for ideas, she attacks him, revealing she's been turned into one of them. She scratches the face, causing him to veer off the road and crash. Daniel stumbles out of the car and discovers a dismembered robot arm on the passenger side door. Ellie attacks from behind, but he manages to knock her block off. When he gets back in the car, he is attacked again by her dismembered arm, which he throws like a javelin. And we get another scare from Ellie's headless body, but she finally dies at Daniel's feet. Daniel finally makes his way to the gas station from earlier, where he calls someone to take the commercial off the air. As he sits and argues with a person on the phone, trick-or-treaters wearing the infamous mask show up for treats. The commercial comes on and is taken down due to technical difficulties. The child changes it to another channel where the commercial is playing. And after a minute, it too is taken down. But on the third channel, the commercial continues to play. Dr. Chalice pleads and screams for them to take it down, but our score grows louder and the scene is intercut with Daniel and the commercial. It grows louder and more chaotic as we cut to black and the movie ends.
0: Okay, this is the finale I thoroughly enjoy because I'm here for secret robot turnovers. I'm here for a three part fight finale. Michael wishes he had the strength of Ellie, okay? Oh, but you want to really fight. Ooh, people are going to come for you for that segment, Honey, she gets him three times. Three times in the car. And were you gagged by what? this reveal when you first watched it? Yes! I was Thank not you. expecting
1: that. What? Like, she's full of orange goots too?
0: I still jumped when I watched it this time, because there's the specific sound cue. Carpenter loves sound cues, mm-hmm. and he's very good at creating sense trails. And this one is different from Michael's... T-
1: Yeah, he's he's good at
0: those cues. He's very good at those cues. But this still gives that vibe. I love it. I love the fight, especially because this is where we get super cheesy in 80s. Because it's absolutely our poor Ellie actress underneath the camera with her arm (laughs) squeezing Tom Atkins' neck. And him having (laughs) to act his ass. I love it. This is my favorite part of 80s stuff. You make it work. We don't have the budget. Pretend that she's a robot arm. to mm-hmm. <laughs> give me a performance, you drunkard. This is a great reveal. It's it's
1: one of the best reveals in this movie. Um, and then we finally, as he finally makes his getaway from Ellie, he finally makes it to the gas station where he calls. I don't know the police or I think he calls the, news the FCC.
0: <laughs> oh my god!
1: Yeah, he. I don't know. He calls somebody to try and get the commercial taken down, and for the most part, it is taken down until like. The last channel where the comm- commercial continues to play. Which, by the way, 80s, there was only two
0: channels. There's <laughs> only three channels. I like how this
1: trick or treater just made their way into the store and started changing channels. Like, what a smack that kid out of the way. Like, the fuck out of here.
0: This part is great. This is that invasion of the body snatchers, like finale ending. And I think that's why I enjoy it so much because you no longer trust anybody. Now, who's a robot? Who's going to turn the kids into things? This mm-hmm. becomes such a bleak ending he manages to save a few people he manages to take down maybe that anjo but it's still going and we get a cliffhanger ending i like that i like when movies have the balls to say you know what i'm gonna end the way that i want to it's not gonna be a happy ending this is not a happy ending and i
1: love that and i think that was definitely like setting the tone for what they were hoping was going to be an anthology series which we all know didn't happen but I think that would have set a great tone for how like this series would have went. Because I think that the Twilight Zone very much carries that same kind of bleak, open-ended mm-hmm. tone, like the endings.
0: I love it. I'm glad that you do. Well, we're here at the end of our movie, and I just want to know, what are your final scores? What are you going to rate this movie? I am going to buy it 100%. <sighs>
1: Which is surprising from you ripping on this movie. (laughs) It's a terrible movie, but we love terrible movies. And like I said before, I I love to root for the underdog. This movie deserves to be appreciated, and I understand why a lot of fans don't like it. And those, like I said before, like those points are totally valid, and I understand why you don't like it. I happen to love it, so for that reason alone, I'm gonna buy it. I dig. I
0: totally dig, and I'm gonna echo that. Listen, if you my vote. For this episode is buy it. Like, sorry if you didn't get that. But it is also rented if you're not fully down for it. Because you're right, this movie isn't for everybody. This is such a niche, 80s, campy, mm-hmm. ridiculous, overtly sexual, weird jokes, beautifully done flick. I have nothing but like fun things to say about this movie. I love it in the same vein as I love Chopping Mall. It's just an 80s good time. What more do you need? Speaking of 80s good times,
1: thank God our hangovers are cured and we can finally start focusing on the holidays at hand. Like everybody else, it is time to get into the spirit and a new month, of course, means a brand spanking new theme. Bring on the cute sugar cookies, the gifts, the family fights, and of course,
0: the holiday horror. <laughs>
1: Next month is our sleigh bells month.
0: Oh, you wanna sleigh bells? Name? And kicking us
1: off is the Christmas classic,
0: 1984's Gremlins. Oh, I'm so happy we're staying in the 80s so I can continue to geek out over fabulous films. Are you ready for Gremlins and holiday horror? It's my—it's probably our favorite subgenre.
1: I do love holiday horror, specifically Christmas horror, because I just love the like juxtaposition of the two. I am one hundred percent here for our sleigh bells
0: month. And if you like what you hear, please follow it and stay up to date with the Queens. Our Instagram is. At the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography.
1: My personal account is at STFU Ray. We would love, love, love for you all to leave a comment and rate the podcast. If you love what you hear, hit the subscribe button or follow button wherever you are streaming.
0: We hope that your hangover is cured. It is time to say goodbye, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> to Halloween and say hello, hello, hello to Christmas and the holidays. Holiday so horror! Oh, I'm so stoked! I'm so stoked! We hope you guys enjoy. We hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Yes, and until
1: next week, y'all stay safe, stay queer, and we love y'all. You know, do stuff positively. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: See y'all the next one.
1: See y'all next week, y'all. bye,
0: bye, bye, bye. bye, bye, bye. bye, bye.